This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to Chronicles of Nania. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined, of course, by the man that this show is named for. He is the resident stat nerd over at GangreenNation.com, Elite Sports New York, and, of course, TurnOnTheJets.com, Mr. Michael Nania. Michael, what's going on, buddy? Well, not too much. Thank. It's really good to be back here again. And, you know, things are all feeling good here in Jets world. We got Joe Douglas, so, you know, everyone's happy about that. And I've been running through Sam, a lot of Sam Donald's games, going through uh, his production by route type. So, yeah, this is a pretty fun time right now to be a Jets fan. Training camp coming up soon. So uh, we're getting into, into the swing of things here. Joe Bam Bam Douglas is here as the next general manager. He takes over from Mike McCagnan, who took over from John Idzik. So I thought it might be interesting to take a look at not the road not taken, but the road you better not take if you're Joe Douglas, meaning what he can learn from the mistakes of John Idzik and Mike McCagnan. And Michael, you've dug up some very interesting data about both Mike McCagnan and and John Idzik, you talked about the data on Mike McCagnin last week. We're going to talk about Idzik this week, but also we're going to compare and contrast McCagnin and Idzik. Let's start with a quick rehash. Talk again about approximate value and net approximate value. Yeah, so most of the study is based upon the approximate value stat from profootballreference.com. And basically what it does is it assigns players a single number score to try to approximate their value as it's called and you know players get score based on you know their production you know depending on what position they play and it does a really good job over when you're evaluating multiple years a lot of teams a lot of players it does a really good job of just estimating just about how much value every single player has provided to a team and just really especially when we're doing a study like this which you know like i said we're studying a lot of teams a lot of players over multiple years when you're looking at these huge groups it really does a good job of just really approximating just how much production that each team got out of their draft classes. So it's a stat that does a really good job of just estimating every uh, player's value. Uh, Players get a lot of score for lasting a long time, playing a lot of games, starting a lot of games, and, you know, just being a part of teams that win a lot of games, that helps them a lot. So it's a stat that does a really good, uh, really good job of just capturing everything and doing, taking a really good stab at estimating a player's value. And so you touched on it. Net approximate value is, a stat that I came up with for the purpose of this study uh, to try and figure out how well teams drafted relative to what the expectations should be. So in this podcast, we're going to talk about John Idzik. So just for example, the Idzik 12, even though the Jets did have 12 picks in that 2014 draft class, they had three picks in the fourth round, four picks in the sixth round. So the expectations kind of should be leveled a little bit when you're talking about having so many later round picks. So what net approximate value does is it takes the actual approximate value that a team ends up drafting and compares it to what the expectation would be if every single one of their draft picks were average based on the round they were made in. So net AV is a really good stat for just taking account not just the total value that a team has drafted, but comparing it to what the expectation should be. So it kind of takes every team and puts them on the same level comparing to uh, comparing them to what their expectations uh, expectations should be so it does a really good job of doing that and just kind of making sure every team can be compared to one another now let's quickly rehash what you found about mike mccagnan don't go into great detail but just a quick overview of what we talked about on the last show so that people have a frame of reference when we get into john idzik yeah so with mike mccagnan the numbers really weren't pretty so in the first round he's done a pretty solid job he got jamal adams a couple years ago who 
was one of the best safeties, if not the best safety in the league last year. He got Leonard Williams in 2015, who's been one of the best defensive tackles in the league since he came in. Sam Darnold, obviously the jury's still out on him, but Darren Lee wasn't, wasn't the best pick, but he did at least start most, most of the games throughout his three years there. So that did get him a little bit of score. Still made him a relatively solid first round pick. When you look at some of the other guys in that first round that we used taken in who haven't even been able to play off, uh, since they're, they've been drafted that year. So Lee was a decent pick. Adams and Leo were great picks. So you look at McCagney in the first round. He did a pretty good job, but it's past the second round or, or, or past the first round in the second round and beyond through the seventh where McCagney really struggled. And it was past the first round where McCagney was arguably the worst drafting GM in the league over his first four years with the Jets. If not the worst, definitely bottom three at best. So he did a solid job in the first round, all things considered, even with the, you know, he had some favorable uh, first round draft position with the Jets being so bad, but he did solid in the first round, but past the first round, it was a really rough ride for him. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress, and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. We're going to compare and contrast Mike McCagnan and John Idzik, but first, in order to do that, we have to talk about John Idzik, so let's do that. Talk to me a little bit first about the 2013 season, because the one everybody remembers and points to was the Idzik 12 in 2014. Let's start with 2013. It appears that although John Idzik didn't exactly do the greatest job ever in the 2013 draft, he didn't do as poorly as some people might think. Yeah, so the 2013 class for Idzik wasn't terrible. It was definitely below average, even by these AV metrics, but it wasn't the worst in the league, not even close. He was 19th in that AV with a negative 15.4. So like I said, still below expectations, still not good, but there were a lot of teams that were a lot worse. The 84 approximate value that the Jets got out of that draft was about in the top half of the league, barely above average. So he did a decent job. You had D Milner with the ninth pick, complete bust. That kills the score a lot, but he did get Sheldon Richardson uh, with the 13th pick in that round, and Richardson did only last with them up until 2017, but he was a really good player while he's with the Jets. He's obviously the defensive rookie of the year, so he was one of the he's one of the most valuable players out of that class on approximate value, so he's a solid pick. Obviously, he helped the Jets get Sam Darnold, which doesn't factor into this, but Sheldon Richardson was a pretty solid pick, one of the better players in that draft class. So Geno Smith in the second round obviously didn't pan out as the franchise quarterback, but 
he did still give them two years as a starter. So from an AV standpoint, he was decent. Didn't hurt the score too much. Obviously, didn't help it. But in the uh, the part of this the 2013 class that really helps Idzik is his third round pick, which was Brian Winters, who obviously here is going to be entering his seventh season with the Jets. And that just sounds crazy to say. We're about to enter Brian Winters' seventh season. But getting seven seasons out of Brian Winters, that makes him a really, really valuable pick for Idzik. So that helps his score out a lot. And in the fifth round, he got Odeya Bushi, who actually gave the Jets a couple years. So as a fifth round pick, that makes him above average. Got Tommy Bohannon in the seventh round, who had played a few games with the team. But overall, it just wasn't obviously not a great draft class. I just mentioned the team. Uh, Brian Winters is the only player left, and even he is arguably a below average guard. But it wasn't a terrible class either, just relative to, to the rest of the league. And, and you mentioned it earlier when we were discussing this, but 2013 wasn't a great year for the draft. So uh, you just look at the production that it got. Sheldon Richardson helps out a lot. Brian Winters and the longevity he brought to the table, that helps Idzik out a lot. It was a below average class, not terrible, not good, just kind of below average. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. It was really terrible for quarterbacks, too. E.J. Manuel was the first quarterback pick, the only one in the first round. And then after that, if you want to talk about who the best quarterback in that class was, you'd have to start looking at names like Geno Smith, Mike Glennon, and Matt Barkley. So that should give you a pretty good idea of how terrible that draft was for quarterbacks, but overall it was really bad. Go ahead and Google it and you're going to find out that Sheldon Richardson was easily one of the best picks in that draft, one of the best players in that draft. Just a very weak draft overall. So that one, I thought Idzik got a little bit of a raw deal. Like you said, it was still below average, but it wasn't that bad considering how poor the talent pool was that year. A little bit of a different story the next year when he had 12 picks, and that, of course, is the infamous Idzik 12. So let's talk about that, Michael. What'd you find? Yeah, so the Idzik 12, no excuses. This one was flat-out terrible. So the Jets had the Jets had 12 picks in this draft, obviously, uh, hence the name, with the Idzik 12. And they only got 37 approximate value out of those picks, which was the third lowest total in the entire league, despite having 12 picks, which was tied for the most in the league that year. So from a net AV standpoint, comparing the Jets, to the amount of AV they got versus the expectation. They were a negative 55 in that 2014 draft class. How bad is that? That is 20 points behind the 31st ranked team in that AV, which would be the Saints. So that's a pretty drastic difference. That is the, that's actually the second biggest difference between any two neighboring teams on the entire list. So by all accounts, it was a terrible draft class for Idzik. He actually does have Quincy Nunwa still on the team. So but even a Nunwa hasn't accumulated that much approximate value for the team. He didn't play in 2014. 2015, he only really kind of came on at the end of the year, made a few big catches, but still wasn't a starter or a regular contributor. 2016, he had the big year. 2017, he obviously missed. And then 2018, he was hurt a lot of the year and didn't produce that much. So even his best pick in Quincy Nunwa isn't that much of a big value gainer for Idzik in this class. But as a six-round pick, he helps him out a little bit. But the rest of it is just horrendous. You have Calvin Pryor in the first round, who's one of the bigger busts of that round. Jason Morrow in the second round gave the Jets almost nothing. And then 
right here, the third and the fourth round is where it gets really ugly for Idzik. Obviously, you don't expect too much out of these picks, but there is still a minimum expectation, and even versus those, Idzik comes up small. And, of course, with third and fourth round picks, you don't expect too much. You don't expect to get a starter every single year. You acknowledge that. There's a decent chance these guys are going to bust, but you still should, especially with a class like this, where you're making three fourth round picks and a high third round pick, you definitely expect to get something out of those picks. But uh, John Idzik got absolutely nothing in 2014. Dexter McDougal in the third round only played a few games for the Jets, only gave the Jets two approximate value, which is basically nothing. And then in the fourth round, you have Jalen Saunders and Shaquille Evans, uh, the two wide receivers taking the first two picks in those two rounds. Those guys gave the Jets absolutely nothing. Dakota Dozier in the fourth round is actually still with the team, but obviously he's never been a starter, so not a lot of value there. And actually, I mean, you look at Dozier compared to the rest of this class, he, he's arguably the second best value pick in this 12-pick class. And so that's obviously just goes to show how terrible this group is. Uh, fifth round, you have Jeremiah George, who, again, basically gave the Jets nothing. Sixth round, Brandon Dixon, a defensive back, gave the Jets nothing. And then I.K. and then Polly in the sixth round, who... I mean, he gave the Jets a 10-win season. Back <laughs> so, I mean, I don't think A.V. accounts for that, but, you know, he, he didn't play all that much. Taj Boyd in the sixth round didn't play. Trevor Riley in the seventh round, actually, is one of the better picks in this class. He did give the Jets a little bit on special teams, but I just ran through all those names, and the only guy who, I mean, even kind of flirted with being a decent starter is Quincy Nunwa, maybe prior a little bit, but... That class was all-around terrible, and the numbers back it up. Worst net AV of that year of any team. Fewest AV per player, fewest AV per season, and third-worst net AV despite having twice as many picks as the only two teams that had less AV than the Jets accumulated in that 2014 draft. So we made a little bit of a case for Idzik with 2013 with Richardson and Winters, and I compared it to the rest of the league and said, you know, it wasn't that bad, but 2014... There's no excuses for Isaac there. That was a terrible, terrible class. By all counts, trash. Just plain and simple. To be fair, IKM Kapali did give the locker room something. He gave them a lesson in what happens when you make him a promise and don't come through with it. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And you can't you can't measure off the field impact. Everyone talks about that all the time. Guys get paid for what they do in the locker room, and he made an impact. He definitely did that. Those are intangibles that you just can't measure on AV, right? <laughs> it's definitely intangible. By definition, those are intangibles. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. I've always thought that in addition to the obvious mistakes of picking bad players, one of the big mistakes that Idzik made there was hanging on to all four of his sixth round picks because I feel like he could have used them to move up the draft board and try and get some higher impact players. Again, even getting guys in the fourth round, who knows if he would have turned them into anything. But obviously, Michael, we both know that if you have picks in the fourth round, there's much greater chance of success with them than in the sixth round. Yeah, there's definitely a big drop-off, especially the 6th and 7th rounds are actually basically dead even with their expectations. So 
those picks can kind of be a little bit overrated. And and we look at this as a class. You have five of those 12 picks, so almost half in either the sixth or the seventh round. So you're almost expecting nothing out of those picks. Most of those guys don't really pan out. I think you're looking at about a, a, maybe a 30% chance of getting a guy who lasts his rookie deal in the sixth or seventh round. Those guys average less than one AV per season. So just to put it into perspective how little that is, uh, if you get one AV in a season, you're probably a player who was a backup all year, maybe played in one game. So the average sixth or seventh round pick doesn't even do that. And compared to the first round, the average first round pick gets about about five between five and six AV per season. So that's about maybe like a decent starter season. So that's your average first round pick. While your average sixth or seventh round pick isn't even a backup who plays. So yeah, I think definitely Idzik could have done a lot better. And, of course, it, it's hindsighted now, but he definitely could have done better for himself to maybe use all that ammo in a later round to try and move up a little bit. Because you look at the end results of this class, the Jets only got five seasons of starting out of those 12 picks. Three from Calvin Pryor, two from Quincy Nunwa. And of those five, you have a Nunwa's 2016 season was pretty good. You can make the argument Pryor had a pretty solid season in 2015 so maybe two good starting seasons out of 12 players and this is a a class that's now five years old so these guys have had five years in the league and the Jets only got two solid starting seasons out of it so yeah I think Idzik definitely could have done better for himself to maybe you know lessen the volume of the class but get some get into the higher rounds a little bit but obviously it didn't happen and this goes down as one of the worst draft classes you will ever see honestly. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Michael, while John Idzik was the general manager of the New York Jets, Mike McCagnan was not a general manager, but he was the director of college scouting for the Houston Texans. How does his record there compare to Idzik? Now, obviously, we can't know for sure which picks were his recommendations, but you can assume that he had a high level of input there, being that he was running the scouting for the Texans leading into that draft. So talk to me about what you found there. Yeah, so going back and looking at Idzik, you know, going beyond 2015, so into the years where Mike McCagnan was still, you know, running the show for the Texans or was a big part of their college scouting, over there in Houston, I, I was interested to look at their numbers, and it was actually pretty eerie how similar the Texans were to what the Jets would become under Mike McCagden. You look at the Texans' draft record while Mike McCagden was there in the last few years before he came over to the Jets, and it was a really similar look to what you would end up seeing when McCagden became the Jets' GM. So the Texans hit on a few first-round picks while McCagden was there. J.J. Watt, Jadavian Clowney, Whitney Merciless. So a couple solid picks in the first round while Mac was there. And you talk about J.J. Watt, who was, I believe, the 11th pick. I think he was 11th, but, I mean, that's a home run pick to get at that spot with a guy who's going to the Hall of Fame. So, you know, he did a really good job in the first round, just like he'd end up doing with the Jets. But beyond the first round, the numbers were really similar with what McKagan did. You know, with Houston, compared to the Jets, he would do solid in the first round, get some starters, take advantage of good draft position, and get guys who would contribute. But then beyond the first round, the Texans really struggled while McCagnan was there. Didn't really find too many contributors, and their net AV stats, their approximate value, and their net AV were both in that bottom five range where McCagnan would be with the Jets. So it was really interesting to see how, you know, there's a little bit of a signal that McCagnan was going to be like this with the Jets. He'll do a good job with those first-round picks, make sure to take advantage of that position at the top of the draft with the Texans, a team that did at times have some good draft position. He did a good job taking advantage of that, but the signs were there that he was possibly going to struggle 
beyond the first round. And of course, this is, you know, really circumstantial. You could probably look at other GMs in which this stuff does not correlate. But I thought it was just really interesting to see with McCagnan in particular that Texans, while he was there, were really similar to what the Jets would become under his leadership. Michael, now that we have information on Mike McCagnan and John Idzik in terms of your stat of net AV and approximate value as per pro football reference, this is where it gets interesting because now we can compare the two. You made a really cool chart that's available at gangreennation.com and we'll tweet out a link to this after the podcast gets posted. But the comparison is a lot more similar than people might realize. What you'd heard with Mike McCagnin is that he's about an average drafter, whereas Idzik was terrible. And I think they might have been giving McCagnin a little too much credit compared to Idzik. It seems like they're a lot more even than people realize. Yeah, so when I put their ranks, you know, over their respective tenures next to each other, it, it really comes out really scary close. A lot, a lot closer than I definitely thought, but when you put the numbers together and just compare how both of them drafted relative to the rest of the league over their tenures, it comes out really close. So when you look at their numbers over all seven rounds, so including the first round and the rest of the draft, McCagnin has a slight edge. You look at total AV, they're about the same. McCagnin 28th, Izik 27th, but the net AV, McCagnin does come out better. McCagnin is 24th in net AV, Izik is 31st. And per player, per season, McCagnin's 25th and 26th in net AV, while Izik stays down at 31st. So over the course of the whole draft, McCagnin does get the edge because, you know, like I discussed in the last podcast, he was one of the better first-round drafters in the league over his tenure. His first-round picks did tend to get more production than just about the rest of the league. The Jets were about a top-five drafting first-round team over McCagnin's tenure based on AV. And, of course, he did get some help. The Jets did have the second-best first-round position in the league over McCagnin's tenure. Only the Bears had a higher average first-round position than the Jets did over McCagnin's tenure. So that definitely helped him out a lot. And you talk about Sam Darnold and Jamal Adams and Leonard Williams. Those weren't the toughest picks in the world to make. I think you could argue that almost any average Jets or football fan probably would have made the same pick. So you can say that, but at the end of the day, McCagnin did do a solid job with those first-round picks, and the Jets did get some of the most first-round production out of those picks over his tenure. So that does help him push him over Idzik overall seven rounds, but when you take out the first round and compare what they did past the first round, which, which you know, I think is the best, you know, the best way to really measure how good of a job a general manager and an entire front office is doing. Because, you know, the first round, especially with the bad team, when you're like the Jets, you're getting high first round picks. That's where the, you know, obvious blue chip players are kind of lying. Unless you're talking about the quarterback position, which is more of a crapshoot. If you're a bad team, you're at the top of the draft. That's where you get your Jamal Adams, your Leonard Williams, your Quentin Williams. That's where those guys are going to be sitting for you at the top of the draft. But beyond the first round is where it really starts to become more of a crapshoot and having better position doesn't really help you out as much. So beyond the first round, they are really, really scary close. So you'll get total approximate value drafted beyond the first round for both of these guys. Mike McCagnin, over his tenure, 32nd in the league in total approximate value drafted over that tenure. So that's just a total production, nothing adjusted, drafted by those guys over their tenure. So McCagnin dead last, Idzik 27th. So obviously Idzik did have a lot more picks than McCagnin did. McCagnin's Jets were near the in the bottom half of the league in uh, post-first-round draft picks over his tenure. Obviously, he traded a lot of them for veteran players, Fitzpatrick, Marshall, a few other trades. Henry Anderson uh, traded away a few of them, the Sam Darnold deal. So McCagnin didn't have a lot of picks to help him out there, while Idzik did have a ton of picks to help him out because he is making trades 
to gain those picks. So from a total perspective, McCagnan dead last, Idzik 27th, but Ned AV is probably a more fair comparison uh, to look at them side by side because of those differences in total picks. If we're just comparing the average value of the picks they did make and not taking into account the volume of the picks that they were making based on other trades. So if we're looking at Ned AV, just comparing, you know, the production they got versus what we should expect them to get. They are basically dead even. So total net AV, McCagnan 29th, John Nidzik 29th in rounds two to seven. Net AV per player and per season. McCagnan 32nd, both per player and per season. And net AV after the first round. And Idzik 31st in both of those two stats. So when you look at them beyond the first round, they are really, really close. Obviously, Idzik had a lot more shots at the dartboard than McCagnan did, just based on, uh, you know, the moves that he made outside the draft acquiring those picks. And McCagnan had less shots at the dartboard. But McCagnan did have more years to make those picks. So he had more time to build up his staff, more time to kind of develop a rapport with Todd Bowles and that coaching staff, understanding what they wanted, while John Idzik didn't really get that opportunity. So both of those guys did have different circumstances. Idzik making more picks, having a little bit more leeway to rebuild in the beginning. McCagnan was kind of a win-now, in a win-now situation at the beginning. But all things considered, just... When you put all those things aside, you look at the way these guys drafted compared to the rest of the league over their respective tenures. And beyond the first round, they were basically dead even as bottom two, bottom three kind of production uh, beyond the first round. So it's really odd to think because, you know, John Idzik has this reputation as just, you know, God awful terrible. And, you know, even by the numbers, he kind of was. He was pretty much bottom three across the board over those two years, while McCagnan doesn't really have that reputation in a lot of a lot of the time he's seen as, you know, pretty bad and not good, but not quite as terrible as Idzik. But when you look at the numbers and just compare how these guys drafted relative to the rest of the league, and obviously AV doesn't tell the whole story, but it does do a pretty good job, and it's unbiased, and it does kind of uh, do a good job of comparing everybody on the same level. And you look at the numbers and how these guys drafted beyond the first round over their respective tenures, and it is a lot closer than I, than definitely I thought it would be. So. You look at Mac versus Idzik beyond the first round, it's it's really close. If I may defend Idzik, not that he did a good job, clearly he did not, but he only had two drafts before he was canned, and McCagnan had five drafts, so obviously there's a disparity there in terms of who got more of a chance. But also, if you look at the average draft position in the first round where McCagnan had the majority of his success, his was about 7.5, and Idzik's was 13, so... Big difference there. McCagnan hit on four guys in the top six of the draft. His only other pick outside of that was Darren Lee. I would say that was not a hit. He's gone already, and he was up and down, kind of fluky good here and there, but mostly erratic and not worth the pick. And I would say that he bears a close comparison to Calvin Pryor that way because Pryor had a pretty good season in 2015 after having a pretty poor rookie year. Then he came back in 2016 and was really bad. So similar production to Darren Lee. He was picked 18th. Darren Lee was 20th. The only pick that Idzik had inside the top 10, he obviously whiffed on that, which was D. Milliner. But with the 13th pick, he hit on Sheldon Richardson. So you could easily make the argument that while Idzik was only one for three, McCagnan had much better draft position overall, certainly in the four drafts where he hit. And on top of that, as far as the hits go, Idzik was the one who had the best value hit. Yeah, you can definitely make that case. And, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you brought up about the average position the Jets picked. So the average pick position that the Jets made in the first round, only the Bears had a higher position in the first round over McCagnan's tenure. So 
that almost makes it seem like you should expect the Jets to have their first-round production be that high based on having that position. And, you know, McCagnin did deliver, so credit to him for that. But we it, it's all hypothetical. We don't know how well McCagnin would have drafted if he was picking in the exact same slots that Idzik did. We don't know how Idzik would have used the picks that Mike McCagnin did. But at the end of the day, John Idzik did make a really good value pick in Sheldon Richardson, and that helps out his 2013 draft. In the way that has aged, uh, Richardson was a really good player for the Jets and ended up helping them out with the value he brought back in the trade that ended up getting Sam Darnold to the Jets. So, yeah, it's definitely, it's apples and oranges in a lot of ways. Idzik had two years, Mac had four, and he's going to get another draft that we'll see how this one ages of uh, the 2019 class and beyond. We'll see how that one goes for Mac. So, uh, McCagnon did have a lot more time than Idzik did. And, you know, the, just the way that they approached the draft was different. Idzik stockpiled picks. McCagnon didn't really do that. I mean, he did some trading back on draft day near the end of the draft. But going into drafts, generally the Jets were in the bottom half of the league in total selections, especially at the top of the draft, never really getting more value up there. And, and you know, having a high draft position in most of the in most of those McCagnon drafts was a big part of that. But, you know, they were definitely a lot different in the way their tenures played out. But the production, just the draft production and what the Jets got out of their picks, especially when you compare versus to what the expectations, uh, what the expectations should be versus the rest of the league. Both of them were very close to the bottom, especially beyond the first round. So, you know, they were, they were both bad. I think that's just the most plain and simple way to put it. McCagnon got the Jets some studs, but he also had four years to do it. So I think that... When it's all said and done, you're looking at the Jets getting rid of a general manager who was very similarly bad at drafting to the one that came before him. So, Joe Douglas, if you're listening to this, I just want you to make sure you are never mentioned in the same sentence as these guys again. Yeah, Michael, I was going to say we could sit here and compare them and we could debate who is better between John Idzik and Mike McCagnin. But ultimately, the conclusion has to be that both of them were terrible and you're basically fighting over whether it's worse to get shot in the head or shot in the heart. Oh, yeah, for sure. And (laughs) I mean, Joe Douglas, he's probably going to listen to this because this is a great podcast that a lot of people listen to so i hope he learned a lot and i just i just hope he learned what not to do because what was what was that they said recently that sam darnold was watching tape of jay cutler and peyton manning so i think he was watching peyton manning that's what you should do jay cutler that's what you shouldn't be doing so joe douglas this is that jay cutler hat this is what you should not be doing as a member of the jets and actually on the front of joe douglas looking at the numbers of the teams that he was with uh, before he came to the Jets, he spent time with the Eagles, with the Bears, the Ravens, mo- mostly the Eagles and Ravens. But all all three of those teams were consistently in the top half of these AV draft rankings, all three of those teams, over McCagnin's tenure and Idzik's tenure. And, of course, those teams have been pretty successful. The Eagles have had a bunch of playoff appearances. Obviously, they won the Super Bowl a couple years ago. The Ravens are a model franchise. The Bears, you know, it took them some time to get back to the playoffs, but they're now an elite team near the front of the league. And all three of those teams that Douglas was with um, have been better drafting teams compared to the rest of the league, even by these numbers. So, and you, you've gone over it a lot on some of your recent podcasts, and you're going to continue to in some of your shows coming up soon. But he definitely did. And a lot of the times you don't really know what kind of a role that these front office guys play in the in their team's success or lack of success. But like you're going into, he did actually have a hand in a lot of really good players, especially with the Ravens that they drafted. So, so again, Joe Douglas, hopefully he is nowhere near where these last two GMs were for the Jets. And as a good sign, he was with a few teams that did draft pretty well from a numbers perspective. 
Those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. So let's hope that Joe Douglas learns from the last 10 years or so of Jets drafting history and does the exact opposite of what Mike Tannenbaum did after Eric Mangini was gone, of what John Idzik did, and of what Mike McCagney did, at least outside of the top six. Michael, as always, a pleasure getting these nerdy number breakdowns from you. I'm looking forward to delving into some more next week. I think we've got some stuff about Sam Darnold to talk about. But in the meantime, why don't you go ahead and let everybody know about the 655 places that you're writing these days and how they can follow you on social media. <laughs> yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Michael underscore Nania. Uh, most of my writing is at gangrenation.com and elitesportsnewyork.com. And yeah, definitely I'm excited to talk about the Sam Darnold numbers. I've been breaking down his production by root type and a bunch of other different things during left side versus right side, number of rushers, uh, field depth, uh, you know, the depth of his throws, looking at his productions by that. So yeah, it's definitely been a lot of fun and definitely getting a lot of perspective on how Darnold played, what his strengths were, what his weaknesses were. So it, it's been a lot of fun to go through. I'm getting close to the end of that. So I'm really excited to come back on here and talk about it. Go ahead and follow Michael on Twitter. Read his work over at Gangrene Nation and Elite Sports New York. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turn on the Jets. Dot com.